This week's episode is brought to you by a well-deserved break. Phew! This has got to be one of the gutsiest clubs in the National Hockey League. It's a breakaway! McKinnon, pure guts! <laughs> they got nothing but guts! Brandon right here with a terrific backhand pass, and look at the patient, my goodness. Guts all over the place, I can't believe it. And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, I'm Seth, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for January 28th, 2019. Coming up on the show, it's NHL All-Star Weekend and break time for the Colorado Avalanche, so we'll, we'll take a look at some things. But before we play the loose, your disinvited voices for the week, as usual, are Earl 06. Hello, Earl. Hola, amigos. And we're joined again by Rudo. What's up, Rudo? Hey, hey. So the sitch for this week is a little spooky. Colorado sit in the second wild card spot, tied with 52 points with Dallas, who's in the first wild card spot, and Vancouver, who are on the outside looking in. Dallas has played one fewer game, and Vancouver one more. Third in the central belongs to the stupid Minnesota Wild, who are three points away with 55, and nobody else is within reach. Anaheim, Arizona, Edmonton, and St. Louis are also in the mix, each with 51 to 49 points, and some of those teams are surging, while, of course, Anaheim, like the Avs, are in freefall. How are you feeling about the playoff race as it stands exiting January? Go. Not too good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what <clears throat> I, I, I guess... Trying to project what the playoff cutoff in the West is going to be is really hard right now, just because uh, along with the Avs and Anaheim, it, it's sort of been in free fall itself. So uh, with the goalposts moving, it's it's tough to say what the Avs would have to do after the break with their remaining 32 games. But you know, it looks like you're going to have to win about 20 of those to have a good shot. You know, maybe maybe a couple more. So. You know, asking a team that's lost or that that's won six out of its last twenty-three, I think it is, to win twenty of their last thirty-two. Um, you know, that's kind of tough. Um, you know, and I know fortunes can change, and you know, maybe everyone will come back from the break refreshed and remembering how to cover people in the defensive zone. Um, but that you know, it it, it doesn't look real good right now. Yeah. You mentioned the playoffs cut off, um, and the last time that Mike McCurdy posted his projected um, points cut off, it was 87 for the West and 92.3 <laughs> yeah. for the East, so it's like and three that's, games difference. 87 is like the lowest it's been in the West in like a decade or something, too. Right. The so. lowest since ever. Yeah. <laughs> And and part of that is, uh, from what I've seen, is, is three-point games are really... Uh, more of a rarity than they usually are, uh, at least up to this point in the season. So, um, you know, that's something that will always raise or lower uh, what the cutoff will be. And, and if three-point games rise, as they usually do towards the, you know, the last 20 games of the season, let's say, um, you know, that, of course, will, will make the, the cutoff go up. But, you know, it, it's it looks easy. But I have a feeling it'll still end up in the in the low nineties at, at at the lowest, and that's still that's you know that's a big ask. Yeah, I think we'll see a spike in those three point games when we start playing all these divisional games that matter. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I for the Avs part, 
I, I think they're a better team than six wins in 23 games. I I mean, I don't know how much better, but you have to expect that at least one of our goaltenders will pull their head out of their ass for at least a little while. The problem there is... Which there one? Are, yeah, right. <laughs> well, not only that, but, you know, two months ago we were eight points ahead of being out of the playoffs and cruising. Now there are six teams within three points of the second wildcard spot that we are currently in. And so it's if the team gets hot, we're going to fall out now. We don't have any security at all. And, you know, we could get hot too, but I struggle to see the abs really getting hot again. If Colorado had I'd... even played, like, decent over this stretch, they could have played 500. They could have played Bettman 500. Yeah, absolutely. If and we got league they, average goaltending. They would be firmly in the third spot in the central with with plenty of, of room to breathe. We, we talked about this on this show a little bit. Um, just kind of like, you know, it, it's December. There's some weak opponents. There's a lot of home games. Let's rack up some points and build up this cushion so we're ready for the death march. And, uh... That less that that's that's not what happened. <laughs> we saw some some problems. Um, but I've I've got a pretty simple take on the playoff race, and I I said it on Twitter after the game against I think Nashville. Um, goaltending matters, and until the Avalanche get some, they're going nowhere. Absolutely true. And I'm the contrarian there. If we want to go into it here, but. I I still blame defensive zone structure for more than you know more more than it is a goaltending problem. I, I see where you're coming from there. I think if we got league average defense, we're not as bad as we are. But yeah. I think the goaltending is more of a factor. I mean, they're not helping, but I just you know just because it's something I I I've been focusing on over the past couple of weeks. It's just there, there's so many guys that are uncovered in the defensive zone and even worse than that a lot of times you'll see opponents outnumbering defenders um fairly close to the net in in a lot of situations and you know it's just like that's never supposed to happen um you know it's like leaving the guy on the weak side uncovered that it happens you know it's like when you when you do want to get defense outnumbering the offensive guys sometimes you sacrifice a guy like that but you know prime you know guys that are right in front of you that are uncovered or outnumbering the defenders it's it's i i don't know what they're doing yeah more recently in like the minnesota game the most recent game as of the recording of this podcast that was horribly evident at how yeah. lost the defense <laughs> Not was. A good game. That was a stinker. <laughs> I didn't I yeah. probably didn't watch like maybe a third of that game. It was probably about all I saw. You of didn't it. need to. The the second the <laughs> abs lost the lead, the game was over. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this week's games just because it does kind of illustrate the, the differences between the two perspectives about on the goals against here. Because there's only the two games to talk about this week. Um the abs lose the Martin Luther King Jr. Day matinee to the National Predators for one Four, one, despite allowing only 27 shots, because goaltending matters. <laughs> Alexander Kerfoot, your lone goal scorer, redirecting a shot from Sam Gerrard. This game was really tough. There was more inconsistent yeah. than usual officiating. There was a very rough tone until the Predators had a 2-0 lead. Um, 
And so, as Rito said last week, it was the worst possible scenario because it necessitated a Philip Grubauer start on Wednesday as Avs lose 5-2 to the stupid Minnesota Wild. But that's not really on Grubauer. I think more people would agree than not. Because after, yeah. after the first period, which was, you know, close at least, it wasn't a super exciting game, but it was at least a close game, Colorado came out and just dropped a deuce on the ice and headed to the long break. Carl Soderberg and Tyson Berry get the goals here, but the Avs can only muster 22 shots against a devastatingly mediocre Wild squad who kept finding themselves with hella dangerous chances gifted to them. That game sucked, and I hated everything about it. So, we have one game where Colorado played the, the Nashville Predators pretty well and gave up at least two goals they should not have. And then come back two days later and... Yeah, I mean, when you give up another wraparound goal for this team, this is in the Nashville game. You just—I mean, you're everyone is shaking their head at the goaltending at that point. That's—it's <laughs> four wraparound goals in about a month, and you know you're supposed to give up maybe one of those in the entire season. And there's just nothing to say other than something is clearly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> something is very wrong. And those are usually the the result of some kind of mad scramble or like maybe you get hung up on your own defender and they wrap it around before you can get over. But this was not that. This was, I think I'll mad overcommit. And, oh, there's no way I can get over because I have nothing to push off of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, what we talked about last week, this being the, the, the dark timeline of, of Varley losing to the Preds and you know, Grubauer going in net is sort of the the, the sum of all fears. But, I, I, you know, I think if there's a silver lining to both poor performances is that, that Gruby was actually okay. Um, he was, you know, but... I, you know, I mean, still didn't get it done. Right. Like, yes, his defense absolutely hung him out to dry. But two five on threes. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I don't blame him for the loss by any means. But at the end of the day, that's another save percentage that's in the low eights. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, just you know, sort of technically and sort of head in the game, he looked a lot more engaged than he had. You know, like the last time we saw him was against Winnipeg, where he just looked like someone dropped a safe on his head. <laughs> um. So, you know, I'd, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see him against Vancouver coming out of the break. Um, you know, I, I mean, if there's anything to build on as far as, far as goaltending performance, that's probably it right now. I mean, it's not much, and it's you know, it, it wasn't very good. But you know, he, he, a journey of a thousand steps begins with just one. Yeah, I mean, even to go beyond that, the reality of looking beyond this season is a lot more present given where the abs have ended up at the All-Star break. And that future is going to rely heavily on being sure about what Grubauer is. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've said it all season, but your your perfect scenario is that Grubauer takes the job from Varley and is unquestionably the starter by the end of the season. So, <clears throat> you know, if both guys suck, you may as well try to do that. He certainly has had his opportunities and has just pretty much dropped them all in a hole, which you would think may open up 
opportunities for another goaltender to at least get a start, but now Francis is hurt, so what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. Classic, <laughs> classic abs right there. <laughs> but at the same time, when he had like the pristine best ever chance to get a game to start, which would be the Rangers game earlier this month, they were just like, nah. Nah. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's clear they don't want to start Francis unless they have to. And I don't know who exactly, whether it's Bednar or upper management or, or whatever, but they just have made their bed with these two and they're going to lie in it, I guess. Well, I mean, I, you know, if the thinking is, uh, you know, and I know we joke about this, but if they trade Varley at the deadline, you know... <laughs> Yeah, you want to play him before play. that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's like that your priorities are making Simeon Varlamov look attractive to other teams, which isn't happening very much lately. But, um, and your second priority is turning Gruby into next year's starter. So, you know, it's like uh, as much as we'd all like to see Paul Francis in that, um, you know, that's, that's, third priority at best it is and i i think the fan base has riled itself up and convinced itself that the plan all along was to have francis be the backup next year nope and i i don't think that was really a thing i think like the fan base (laughs) brainwashed themselves on that one so yeah there's a real easy debunker for that theory go to cap friendly and scroll all the way down to non-roster goaltenders because pablo francis is not on the nhl roster and you will find that his 2019-20 salary is ufa he cannot possibly be next year's plan right hello well they could have started they could have signed him you know starting a few weeks ago (laughs) <laughs> but they didn't. Nope. They've got their. Yeah, own I, I mean, I, it, it's tough to say what they. I mean, you, you think if you're getting a guy that caliber out of the KHL, that there would be some impetus to give him a try at least in the NHL. I mean, I, he's been I, a fantastic I, AHL goaltender. Maybe that's just all they wanted out of him. And, you know, maybe they're fine developing I, him for another team next year. That's. I think that's exactly what it was. I think they were so dead sure that Varley would be hurt by now. <laughs> that, that That's why they went out and got Francis, but now that it hasn't happened, their game plan has still been, well, we'll go to Francis if someone gets hurt. It's just not an effective game plan. It's not happening right now. It's not, yeah. Yeah. So we're stuck here. Um, we're just kind of looking at... A- an off-season trade that we reacted to with revulsion because it involved Brooks Orpic and then kind of came to our senses and looked at it as, okay, it's a pretty good swing for a goaltender who's got some promise, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, where do we rate the Philip Grubauer trade now in January 2019? Uh, I, I rated it a 1 the other day on Discord, but I actually did come around to what you said, Steph. Uh, I, I, I don't think I can give it a two, but I'll give it a one and a half because <laughs> they tried. But it's not. Like, this is pretty darn close to worst possible case scenario, so... Just to be clear, what I said on, on Discord was that I absolutely appreciate Colorado taking a swing on a, on a goaltender who was showing some promise, who really helped backstop the Capitals into the playoffs as Holtby was was down with an injury last season, who had very good advanced metrics in his favor. 
and the swing and a miss is kind of the rest of that score. So, so I mean, at this point, comparing it to you know the the Yogi Berra trade, you know where where are we? Oh, that trade was junk. I'm, no, but I'm saying everyone I, I, says I, that, but Bear's stats for the Avs really aren't that bad if you look at it. They really aren't. His stats <laughs> prior to the Avs were never good. They weren't. I don't think it was a smart trade, but I'm, I mean, I'm not comparing that. I'm just saying, you know, like whatever six, eight months after after the fact, do we feel any different about the Grubauer trade than we did about the Yogi Bear trade eight months after that happened? I don't. I don't remember how I felt about the bear trade eight months later. <laughs> I've slept since then. Um, I, I remember being really just perplexed when they made it in the first place. But then I also, wasn't it the same summer that they made the Brad Stewart trade and resigning? It was the same era, so. Yeah, there was a lot of Well, they made it at the end on. of the season because they, they thought that Shiger was not playoff ready. But, I mean, regardless... You know, it's a it, it's a second for a backup goaltender, basically, and, and a you know, three I mean, Bear's numbers are yeah, and Bear's right. numbers are comparable, or you know, they they actually are better than Grubies, although he didn't play quite as much. I mean, yeah, the, unfortunately, it's generous to say it was a second for a backup goaltender right now for Gruby. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's probably where the trade will end up. But the idea of him becoming our starter seems like the farthest thing from reality right now. So, yeah, if like if he was just waving at pucks or like having things deflect around him, or maybe he was having trouble like with a lot of traffic or something, that would be one thing. But there's more to it than that. And and I, Rudo, you seem to be more um like detailed in like what technically you're. Yeah. So I'll let you take over here. Yeah, it's something that I've been looking more specifically at with the goalies uh, this year because they're so bad. (laughs) Uh, But Groob has this gigantic issue with it's it's a tandem of things skill wise where he's really slow laterally, and to try and make up for that, he way over not simplifies what's the word i'm overreacts so he pushes off to go to the far side of the net and he just he's all in he's committed because if he's not committed he won't get over there fast enough and then he's three feet out of the crease and there's a yawning cage for the other team to look at and that causes a lot of his problems the other issue and i do think some of this comes back to the avs defensive systems and him not meshing well at all he doesn't track the puck well through bodies at all or at least he hasn't in the Avs system and that leads to rebound control being basically non-existent for him when the puck hits him no one on the ice has any idea where it's going and that leads to multiple multiple scrambles and the abs not being able to retain the puck way too often So not Yeah, pretty bad. Like the from a skill set wise, I don't see him being a starter. I just don't. I didn't really when we got him, and I definitely don't now. Um You know, we we've seen save percentage plummet a little bit this year overall in the league. You know, given that and, and given sort of, you know, where they are, Avs 
are let, let's let's sort of modify that to where we think they should be if they're playing a, you know sort of better at their game in the defensive zone what what style should we be looking for or maybe you know what what is an archetype of a goalie that that would probably fit the system better now uh one that can hold on to the puck yeah the abs are just awful at clearing rebounds they're just terrible at it and we got away with that for years and years and years because Varley used to be great at it, but he just hasn't done it this year. That's a that's an interesting point because I mean one of the, the there was a play against Minnesota that just made me want to pull my hair out where the the puck bounced off of Grubauer like directly sure into the high danger slot area, but there were no wild in sight. There were two abs right there. It was I think Carl and Graves. I'm probably wrong about that, but that's what my memory is telling me. And they both just kind of fanned on a slow-moving rebound in their own slot. Like, you've got to handle that. That's why you're there. Yeah, I mean, it's this year, It's the defense has to be better, too. But, but, yeah. but like you said, I mean, nobody knows where that puck's going. So it, it's right. just as confusing for the defenseman as it is for... I mean, maybe it's confusing the offense, too. So there are some positive effects. I don't know. <laughs> hard to shoot where <laughs> you don't even know where the puck is going to, to end I, up so it's just a spiraling effect too because at the same time none of your defenders have any confidence in your goalie and your goalie doesn't have any confidence in your defenders so they're not working as a unit at all either yeah i mean there's a lot of thinking rather than an instinctual play at work i think with you know with both areas um you know, I, 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 I wish I knew how to fix or, or just even have some suggestions how this could get fixed. You know, if it's possible to fix, you know, this in the next several weeks. Um, yeah, without, yeah, without knowing really the intended systems in detail, it'd be pretty hard to. Right. I mean, we we know we we can see the effects of it going wrong, but it, yeah. You know, trying to determine the causes and what they're not doing you and know, that's so, yeah. so difficult if you want to move more into the defensive side of it the i just have no idea every game i'm like are these the systems and they're just terrible or do our defensemen just suck at the systems because it's one of the two but i have no yeah. idea which one no i'm right there with you or, or and then all right you know you take sam the, the goal word word everyone hated on sam the other day where do you fumble the puck? And it's like there's two four checkers on Sam, and there's four guys out of the zone. And, and Cole kind of realized a little bit too late that something bad was going to happen and came back too late. Um, you know, it's just situations like that where everyone's just like, okay, go, 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 go. And, you know, I just I hate that breakout mentality. It just reminds me way too much of the Patrick Waugh system where everyone flew the zone, and you're just like, you know, there's one poor defenseman left back there. with, And, and if the opponent does a double four check then you're screwed on that goal i don't think it mattered if sam had any puck support or not because he overskated the puck and then th it just fell off the end of the stick like th that, yeah. that was gonna happen either way um I, yeah but, but he was gonna the, turn it over no matter what but, but the general but, point is absolutely valid and we've been over it a hundred million times on this show that there's just there's not a five-man breakout right now there's a four-man breakout yeah. and none of them have the puck right yep 
it's yeah. I I mean, I do want to get back to the Cole point there though too, because I, maybe he was always like this, and I just didn't notice it in the first part of the season. But Cole just is not accomplishing anything in front of the abs net ever. Yeah. He's not lifting sticks. He's not using his body. He's just kind of standing there next to the forward that he's supposed to be covering. And that forward does whatever he wants. He looks like he wants to block a shot to me. Well, shouldn't be standing <laughs> right in front of your net if that's your plan. Probably. Not where you <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> not helping. But I mean, I don't know. I think I'm a little more forgiving of the defense because we weren't expecting it to be that great this season, and it surprised us earlier in the year, and now it's swung the other way. Like, now it's too bad. It needs to be better than this, but I think, <laughs> you know, relying on great defense is not how the Avs are going to win games. Goaltending right. is more of what they rely on. Yeah, I mean, uh, the defending in the NHL right now is very heavily coached and very heavily systems-based, but in general right now, I mean, just you look at scores around the league, you have to be able to outscore your problems to some degree as you would expect the avalanche to be able to come at least close to that but it's just it's very tough for me to blame even slightly like subpar defensive play when it feels like they don't get bailed out but maybe once or twice a game whereas the avalanche generate you know fantastic opportunities from for themselves by exploiting blunders on the other end and there's a goalie right there yeah, yeah, the Avs have been getting stoned a lot, and and that's an you know that's another thing I've noticed. Like with their meteoric rise in shot share and um, Corsi for for sixty, we've been seeing a lot of dump and chase. Um, you know, it's like you know the the top line still tends to enter with. With possession, but a lot of times they'll enter with possession and then throw it down low after they've entered the zone. Um, the other lines all tend to dump a lot. And... So I think some of that, sorry to interrupt, but I think some of that is because no, the Avalanche are losing a lot. So they, they when, when, you're, yeah. when you're leading, you trap up the neutral zone, and the best way to get through that is to just toss the puck behind it and go get it. So, I mean, right, I'm just saying. Recently, when they've been behind the whole time, they've been dumping, and it's yeah. just it's boggling my mind. It's, I mean, they do it on the power play, and it's I, I just that's I don't understand obnoxious. It. That that's yep. That, that, uh, <laughs> uh, the yeah, that's got to stop. But uh, like in in terms of, I mean, five it's, five, it's almost like they want to be the Kings from five years ago, and I'm just like, okay, this team is fast and I, has a decent amount of skill why are you trying to turn into a dump and cycle team that's using none of that i mean i don't agree with it but i think that's a pretty common thing to happen for teams that are in cold streaks because everyone always preaches the mantra of simplify don't try to do too much blah 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 so it almost goes too far where they stop trying to use their player's skill and it's all dump and chase all the time and you end up hurting yourself that way. Yeah, but it's it's just, I mean, it's... It, you know, and, and then you throw in the, the power play system, which is horrible, and yeah, you're just wondering, it's like, you know, is this sort of an atavistic system where, where they're trying to regress to 2012 or 2014? You know, and... and Instead of, you know, I mean, it seemed like they made some really nice strides forward last year. It just, now it looks like they're kind of regressing in time. 
just frustrating. Um, but to, to bring it back to the Minnesota game, there was another thing in that game that I hated. You want to know what it was? Breezy um, uh, was there? Well, I always hate that. But there was a, a little <laughs> kind of a nothing shot from the, from the point from Minnesota. Didn't have much on it. But it catches Nathan McKinnon in a funky spot. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. like right between some pads or something. And he is uh, he's in trouble getting off the ice. He would finish yeah. the game. That top line didn't get just a, per- just a huge amount of minutes for the rest of the game. But uh, they were you know, playing like Garbo, so whatever. Um, but he's kind of come up with some kind of foot bruise or something. He did go to the All-Star game this weekend, but he did not participate. Do they still wear the skate? guards they sure do because that like that was total flashback to a couple years ago when mac broke his foot taking a shot off of the off his skate so you've seen it again and you're going like oh god (laughs) (laughs) it's weird because they said the inside of his foot and i just you know maybe i'm remembering it wrong but it looked like to me that he had his right side or his left side to the defender that was or to the offensive guy that was shooting so it just seems weird that it hit him on the inside of the other. Again, it's tough to see how it happened. It just suddenly, you know, he was not skating well and had difficulty getting off the ice. Yeah, yeah he came it's off very the troubling. ice like somebody who had just lost their skate blades. So I was like, that was yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I think it got overblown a little bit after the fact, but... Yeah, there's been some, uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of a saga about what actually has happened after the fact with this injury. Like, has he had zero MRIs or has he had, like, a dozen? <laughs> Nobody knows. Depends on who you yeah. ask, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I mean, I honestly think that, you know, if he was wearing a boot, he wouldn't be in San Jose. So he's at least at that level of, of being okay. Yeah, he just doesn't want to put um, skating weight on it, I think, is kind of where we're at here. Right, and, you know, I mean, there's really no point in it. And if he satisfies the NHL's, you know, mandatory participate or uh, get suspended for a game, you know, hopefully he's satisfying that by, by showing up. <clears throat> um, you know, it's not like he's off on a beach somewhere. So, I mean, he is participating. He's involved in the activities. I guess we'll see sort of what his role is tonight, whether he's, you know, standing on the bench or, or what. But Yeah, I mean, if he's not healthy, if he misses more than, like, a game or two, our season's basically done, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that. He yeah. missed eight games last year, and we did okay, so... Well, that was last knows. year. We had a goaltender. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, but the, the three-headed monster loses a whole lot of speed without Nathan McKinnon, and that's a little bit of a problem, isn't it? Um, yeah, especially when you think of the replacement. So, right. <laughs> so where are we at with... Uh, oh, Elliot. Elliot Friedman has put out his abbreviations for the All-Star Games. Yeah, I saw those. They're pretty hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Seal Let's go moon. Seal versus pick and Ack versus moon. Um, but I don't really know what they're doing with, with McKinnon's roster spot tonight, but during the skills competition, the Avalanche kind of picked the, his replacement themselves, so that was interesting. 
Because they, they didn't pick an NHL player. They sure didn't. And, Rudo, I know that you said you saw a little bit of the skills competition. Did you see the this this part with... Uh... I did see the fastest lap. I didn't see the other part. So, um, U.S. Women's National Team sk skater uh, Kendall Coyne... Is it Schofield or Schofield? I honestly don't know. I They just called her Kendall Coyne. <laughs> that, that's what we know her in the, the hockey world as, is Kendall Coyne. Because she got married to a football player named Schofield or Schofield. And who cares about his name? But, uh... Uh, apparently her her fastest lap time was highly competitive yeah uh she beat i think three or four of the men <laughs> um and yeah she's looked legitimately significantly faster than a few of them so <laughs> um it, it was i think it was a cool thing to do uh i wish one they would do more of it and two i think they could have done a better job advertising the women's side of things i don't know like a week ago or maybe it was two weeks ago there was the canadian women's hockey league's all-star game and i managed to dig it out and find it but as an american unless you're really really into hockey you had no idea it was happening so it was good that they could give a couple of the women a nice platform to show off that their side of the game too but i think they could have done a better job even yeah, there was, yeah, there was mean, more it, than just Kindle Coin. We also had Brianna Decker um, doing the, was it the, it was one of the weird finesse events that I don't understand because the NHL makes them yeah, so goddamn complicated. The, the passing event or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And and she had a fantastic time that a, a lot of like the, the internet people watching clocked it as being the best time, although apparently the NHL clocked it um, a few seconds slower than everyone else did. <laughs> I I mean I think it's great that you know you're able to in, involve you know women at a high level but I, I mean like say there was a, a men's equivalent of that too you know it's like people outside of the NHL that are good players you know it's nice to be able to involve them like that um you know I did, I, they made it sound like Mac picked Kendall Coyne to to take his spot because I you know I saw something when it was first announced that he was going to be out that that Mika was going to take his place in the fastest skater which which probably would have been pretty hilarious but, yeah he probably uh, would have fallen over <laughs> you know this this was a a much better way to you know sort of capitalize on that and the crowd there loved it too yeah. they had uh, Coyne go first in the skate and the whole crowd was chanting USA so. Yeah. Of course they were. But yeah, so that was uh that was the NHL All-Star Skills competition and I'm just not interested in it anymore, so sorry. <laughs> they they they've taken a lot of the fun out of that event. Yeah, I, like we said a couple episodes ago, if you're a casual fan, it's nice, but eh. And um at a point, I was too busy watching Macar and the Eagles last night. So yeah, we're and we're at a point in in just with technology in 2019, like you can watch these players pretty much anytime you want. So, like it, it's not this. Oh, here's the one chance you get to see the best players in the NHL in one place. Like you can watch them play every night if you want to. Right. Um. Yeah. So I I think the All Star Game is a little bit dated from a fan perspective, but it's not just about the you know the the 
heavily involved fan perspective. It's definitely a event for the to reward a, the host city, and it's an event for the corporate sponsors. It's an event for the kids. Like it's just, it's not for me. Is what I'm talking about, and I don't. I I think that we we talked a little bit before, before the show, and I think the other two sort of agree. So that's why we're not talking about the All Star Game. We're kind of recording as it starts. So, eh. Yep. Go Central. Go Central. Go Seal. <laughs> Even though you got the easily easy easily easily the worst division in the NHL this season which everyone saw coming of course um so let's bring it back to uh some players who are not all-stars namely let's bring it back to uh some NHL tweeners that Colorado have been doing weird things with they sure have it's. I mean, it starts with Ryan Graves. Like, yes, I understand they wanted to keep his waiver eligibility, but it's the way they decided to do it ultimately was a bit odd. They sent him down with the plan to have Barbario play, and he did get into two games, I think. And then they remembered that Barbario isn't good. <laughs> Especially this season. Barbario's extra not good this season. And it, it was just an odd choice to me because I don't know what they expected Barbs to do. Like, he pretty much went out there and, and played how you figured he would. And then they decided to bring Graves back after the fact. After so, calling up Lindholm for that, like, Yeah, to game. sit on the bench. So why did they call up Lindholm at all in the first place then? It was, it was weird. And it, it got worse, but I, I know Earl has a bigger bone to pick with the other guy, so... <laughs> Yeah, um, they so called Dom Toninato up. Let's not move and... on just yet. Let's not, before we before okay. we get to the other guy, um, so Ryan Graves will be waiver eligible if he plays one more NHL game. Yeah, and or, or if he spends a number of days on the roster, which is it's probably pretty small, maybe three or four. Right, something point. like I mean the the rules are arcane and overly complicated because the NHL nothing can be simple. Um, sure. So it's a complicated game, so it has complicated non-hockey-related rules. It's uh, that, that's that's how I would write it if I was making it up. So yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think anything's been confirmed yet. But he isn't playing in the Eagles game the day of this recording, so there's some concern there that they might have ended up shooting themselves in the foot by sending him down and potentially getting him hurt. So that would be bad. That would be pretty bad. So, other guy, go. Yeah, um, they they called Dominic Toninato up for the first time this year. Um, you know, he, he had kind of a slow start with the Eagles, I'll grant you. And it wasn't until maybe, you know, about a month ago that he really started turning it on and, uh, you know, producing points and, and still playing the, the defensive game that he was known for. Um, but they called him up, and instead of playing him, they they put Gabriel Bork in the lineup for both games. And Gabriel Bork, you know, I, I know that the fourth line is not going to be what determines the outcome of games. But nope. for a team that is struggling, you know, any incremental gain you might be able to make. Any change you might be able to make that might make a difference 
is worth taking. And they didn't. They just went back to the tried and true, like, we'll just do the same thing, but better. And, you know, Gabe Bork didn't make a difference. And I'm not saying Toninato would have, but he, he might have made more. Um, well, you know, and it, it's just okay. very frustrating when you see a team that's that's in this situation and they're just they're not making use of their resources that they have. Gabe Bork um, played okay against Nashville. I can I can almost never fault Benar for playing Gabe Bork against Nashville because he always plays them well. He kind of got that chip on his right. shoulder there. Um, but definitely with you on not playing Toninato at all. Right. Like, why bother? And, you know, I do agree that he played decently against the Preds and that, you know, he hadn't played in a while. You got to play the guy. I mean, you can't just never play a guy. I mean, you got to have a you, – you have to play someone that's that's sitting in the press box a lot at least once every four or five games. Even so, there are two or three guys you could have put Tony in the lineup for. Sure. Drives. And, right. Right. Because Tony is a real center, at least. <laughs> Exactly, and and that's you know that's been one of our bugaboos with the whole fourth line situation, is that you know it's a donut line; they don't have a center, and it it just you know <clears throat> people look at it like well they don't play very much and so they aren't very good and it's like well if the the coaching staff had some confidence that they could go out there and you know take up a few shifts and and not have to overplay the the top six guys as much, you know that leaves them fresher for. You know, the whole game, basically. So, you know, it's like playing that line five or six minutes instead of maybe seven or eight, you know, that that does save you wear and tear in in the long term. And and it, you know, it could help you in in a one game situation. So, you know, it's just it it is very frustrating that they've spent the last month and a half and and not used resources like this and not bothered to check out whether it's going to make a difference or not. Just that the the failure to use a center on the fourth line, I think, is the the most damning part of this, because right. I mean, you you brought up Sheldon Dries, who's not really a center, to use him as a center, um, when 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 Toninato is sitting right there. Who sometimes you'll you'll hear me slip and refer to him as Tony Onato because of a preseason game last year, um, but Toninato is. You have a fourth line center on your roster now. You can play him. It's okay. What I mean? What'd you call him up for? Honestly, why did you call him up? Yeah, and it, I mean, it's obvious that they want a center there. And before, before they recalled Dries, if uh, you know, for the the stint that just ended, uh, they were trying to get him as a center in Loveland, uh, so that he could come up and, and sort of take that role. And it didn't work out very well, and it's it you know sure it's pretty telling that he's back there as a wing, um, you know, and they're obviously trying to get Joe's to be a center there right now, Blah. <laughs> <laughs> with mixed results. <laughs> well, he scored a goal last night. He sure did, and it was nice. It was very you know it was a very acrobatic goal, um, but. You know, it, it 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 it's obvious that they do want a center on the fourth line, and then they go uh, they go in and call one up, and they don't use it. So what you know, what are you doing? It's like you're trying to screw in a screw that the head is a little bit too big for the screwdriver you got. 
It's like they're I... trying to screw it in with a friggin' hammer. No, 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 it's it's a Phillips screwdriver and a Phillips screw, but the screw is just a little bit too big. So the screwdriver kind of works, but it kind of spins in the middle too. And so yeah. you go to the store and you buy a bigger screwdriver. You come back home, you continue using the old one. I, I, <laughs> I think that's yeah. That's I guess kind of. We talked about this back when Frank was on the team as well. And one of the reasons I brought up that Bednar decided not to start him is because the Avs felt like they needed a win. And it always, 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 always seems that when Bednar thinks he needs to win a game, he's going to go with what he knows already, for sure, or what he's comfortable with at the time. And that includes yeah. even, like, small changes like drives for Tony. So, Yeah, it's it's it, how do we break this cycle with, with Jared Bednar? You know, how do we turn him on to the fact that the Stamel thing isn't working because, you know, hey, coach, look at your record over the past 23 games. You know, the same thing, but better. He's an NPC walking into a wall sometimes, you know, it's just really obnoxious. <laughs> um, but I mean, but this is marginal stuff. I mean, you're talking about somebody who's going to play six minutes a night. Let's let's talk instead about somebody who's going to play more like 12 or 13 minutes a night. Yeah, we yeah. Um, we went into the season saying that the secondary scoring really is going to depend on sophomore seasons from players like JT Comfer, Alexander Kerfoot, Tyson Jost. Um, and we've seen some of them also hit that same wall and kind of fall down. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. If The, the blanket covering save-all for our depth scoring is Carl Soderberg has been unbelievably good. Holy shit, but he has. But beyond him... It gets bad fast. Uh, as we all already know, Jost has struggled so much they gave him some time in the AHL. But you go beyond that, Kerfoot has three points, I think, in January. And it's been a slow before that. He had only three points in December as well. So his second half cliff is looking just as steep as it was last year. And he was one of the people that they relied on a lot to provide that extra scoring in the first quarter of the season. Beyond that, you also have JT Comfort not scoring nearly as much as he was earlier in the year. Uh, Matt Nieto, I think, has one point in 10 games. He had that penalty shot that he couldn't convert against Minnesota as well. Oof. It, yeah, that was the, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that, that led to like my favorite Jibble Scribbits post in a really long time. Because <laughs> giving Matt Nieto a penalty shot is the best way to troll both teams. <laughs> And it's so tough too because the AHL is is experimenting with a rule where you can you can pick whoever you want for a penalty shot. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's it's tough right now because all of the more consistent scorers beyond Soderberg have just really fallen off heavily. So what ends up happening is nights when the top line doesn't end up getting it done, you just get bombed. And nights where they do end up getting it done, you still end up falling short because you can't get anything besides the top three in Soderberg. Well, I mean, I mean, Kerf scored in, against the Preds, so... He did. Then that was, like, the his first actual point that mattered in forever. Yeah. I, I mean, I you know, I, I know that we toss around new lines all the time, as if just swapping a couple guys here and there is a matter of course, but you know it does take a little while to to get some chemistry going. You know, I I think that 
you know, basically Carl can drive that second line easily enough that, you know, it's easy for, for Wilson and Comfort to, to sort of fit in there more easily. But, you know, the, the bottom six is still a little up in the air. You know, they, they tried Nieto with Kerfoot and Calvert, and then they swapped Nieto with, with Andrew Ghetto. So it's, it's like Kerfoot's dealing with that. And it's like, you know, Matt Calvert is not easy to play with in some ways. Like, you know, as much as I hate Calvert, he does some things well and, and he can help you with retrieving pucks and stuff like that. But And you know, oddly, Calvert like Kerfoot, has like seven points in the last nine games. Yeah. Right. You know, <clears throat> that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really weird how this is playing out. Is you it know, that so weird? I don't think it is that, that weird. scoring and no one else is? Okay, yeah, that's, that's weird. weird. That's, <laughs> that, that part's weird, for sure. But I think the root of that is what we talked about at the start of the season. We have a bunch of these same guys in the bottom six of our lineup that all kind of do the same things, and maybe to varying degrees, but you can't really make it all fit together properly, and maybe you have one guy going at a time like Calvert, but to have him going, that means Nieto's not going, Andrew Ghetto's not going, Kerfoot's not going. You can't make all of the pieces click. Right, and it's tough because they're all basically the same size, and they don't have any size, and that's another... I, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about Toninato, but it's like, you know, he would be the only guy in the bottom six that's over six feet tall. You know, that would be nice. Um, but it's just, you know, you, you have... A small and, and basically easy to play against bottom six, and it's just incredibly difficult for them to generate anything, no matter which combination you put them in. So you know, I, I you know, I, I feel for Jared Bednar trying to get something out of those guys, but it just, I, I don't think with the six that they're playing co- currently, that there is a right way to put them all together. You know, I, I do yeah, think that you I have agree. to add something different. Because yep. um, they've tried you know, just I, I'd like... Yeah, I mean, Bettner's halfway there. He's been double-shifting the crap out of the top guys with the bottom six. And yeah. it's worked and, okay. I mean, yeah, I don't mind that. But it's just, you know, it, you know, you can do that, but you can't turn around and say, like, the bottom six isn't producing right. and, and just putting the same Live six it, guys leave, out there. Leave it lie, yeah. Yeah. And this is an odd week to be talking about this, but it is only two games. But this week, all of the goals were scored by, you know, non-top-line guys. You got goals from Alex Kerfoot, Carl Soderberg, and Tyson Berry. So, right. I mean, this week specifically, this is kind of an odd conversation, but it's in in the context of the whole winter meltdown, which I guess is kind of an oxymoron. Um, it's just the top line has been asked to do pretty much everything. Earl likes to call the Avalanche a third-period team. And <laughs> that hasn't quite been the case so much lately. But um, yeah. especially like through December or so, Colorado's best period was consistently the third, whether they were leading or not. Leading or trailing yeah. or whatever. Just because, and I, th- I have a, I, a reason I think that is. Because that, that top line, and specifically the speed of Nathan McKinnon, it's a lot to handle in the first. It's... Also a lot to handle in the second, but by the third, you're starting to get a little bit, you know, more t- more fatigued, both mentally and physically, and he is still blasting by you. That's... Yeah. 
it's it's kind of the long game there. And when you've got Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Gabe Landeskog playing, you know, on two or three different lines, in addition to the line that they skate together on, they don't necessarily have the Jets in the third anymore. Right. And that's, you know, that, that goes back to my argument about, what you know, why you want a real fourth line. You know, it's like the, the, the three or four shifts that the fourth line doesn't take in the first and second period is the difference between those guys having a, enough left to really blow past guys in the third. It doesn't do you any good to wear down a defense if you also wear down your offense doing it. Yeah. Right. I mean, the issue is they have to keep themselves within striking distance, right? Because the second period over a lot of this stretch has been just a disaster for this team. They get... It's weird because the Eagles just get clocked in the second period too, and I, I, just, I have no idea why it happens for either team. This organization cannot handle the long change, but you know who could handle the long change <laughs> is Spencer Martin. Now that you mentioned the Eagles again, we, we've touched on the Eagles a few times, so I'm just going to force them in here with a crowbar. Um, Spencer Martin, um, the former abs goalie of the future. Now he's just so terrible that he couldn't even have one nice game, which is, which is uh, that joke works. Cause he had a 68 save shutout. What? <laughs> Not a 69 save shutout, a yeah, 68 mean, save shutout. Does it count as a long change if your players just aren't stepping on the ice and it's just Martin? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how they got zero goals against out of that. They just avoided the long change by not changing. <laughs> they said, all right, you're yeah. out there until the whistle blows. Go crazy. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I, we, we still haven't seen it. I know it was an Eagles record. And I know it's the most saves in a game since at least 2004 in the AHL. I don't like the AHL has been around for, I think, 60 or 70 years. So it's, it's tough to say whether it's an all time record or not. We'll, we'll probably find out soon. But I mean, 68 saves in one game is, is amazing. And, and the fact that he made all 68 saves, I mean, it's yeah. mind blowing. I'd. <clears throat> And not to not to take away from Spence at all, but this game was in fact played in Bizarro Land. Just so you know, Mark all also scored a hat trick in this game. So Mark, a natural oh. hat trick. Yeah. So two uh, power play goals to boot in the for the worst power play in the NHL. <laughs> so you could say things were interesting down there this week. Yeah. And it's not like you know, it's not like the Eagles were getting smoked. I mean, they had over forty shots on goal too. I mean, this was just. It was beyond firewag and hockey. I mean, like if you use sort of, you know, it, usually for every shot on goal in the NHL, you see pretty close to two shot attempts. So they were they they combined for 112 shots on goal. So it, it's a pretty good bet that there were 200 shot attempts during this game. And that's, I mean, that's just insane. <laughs> Bill Peters crying tears of joy somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, it it's it's good be it's good to see Marty have two games in the same week where he's really played well. He also got a a shootout victory on Monday, and um, you know, it's he's been a question sort of all year whether you know he's he's going to do enough this season to uh, make the Avs want to retain him for the future or whatever. Um, he didn't start off the year well, but he's, he's, he's been playing well lately. That's for sure. 
who's in that tonight, you know? Just tonight. Him just tonight. again. He Put played, him right back yeah. in there, you bet. He couldn't possibly be tired, right? <laughs> 68 saves, you need about 68 more tonight, I think. So. Well, I mean, the question is, who else are you going to sit in that net? <laughs> yep. Good old Pavel Frensus left on Wednesday night's game versus Bakersfield after the first period. Um, we, we have heard that it's an injury, so it wasn't just, you know, he, he felt like leaving or something like that. <laughs> he didn't just say fuck it and left. Yeah. I mean, he, he, the Eagles are pretty parsimonious with their injury details. Um, but yes, he did leave with some sort of injury. Uh, the, the, the broadcaster, Kevin McGlue, said it wasn't that serious and he, he probably could be playing in Tucson, but he says that about everybody. But he was supposed to go to the AHL All-Star game, which happens um, Monday night, but he will not be able to attend that. So it's, yeah, it's a bummer for him, I guess. And, <clears throat> but the bummer is that if, you know, it, until we see him playing again, if one of the abs goalies gets injured, you know, Oh boy. Not that that's terrible, but (laughs) (laughs) plan C is not available. (laughs) You're on to plan D, which is the old plan C that really didn't pan out. And then I guess that leaves the Eagles with our old friend, Joe Kanata. Yeah. He's a fan favorite up there. If nothing else. Yeah. So good old Joe. They, 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 I don't know. I know that I'm sure they want to get him a start at some point this season, probably in Colorado, so the fans can show the appreciation for winning the Kelly Cup last year. But um, he's been up a couple times. This isn't the first time that Francis has been injured. And honestly, going into Wednesday's game, like you know, he he didn't play on Monday, which I thought was kind of weird. And just watching the the game, he he did look a little funky, like maybe he's dealing with something that's nagging rather than you know someone running into him in that period. So um, I'm sure we'll never know what it is, but I, I think it's more of a, a chronic or nagging thing rather than. So he really one. is mini Varley in every way. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, there's been some other news though. Um... If we want to move off ice now, go ahead and kind of finish things up here. We have a little bit of a shorter show this week with fewer games to talk about and no games next week. Um, Next season, Colorado have a stadium series game at the Air Force Academy. And they have had their opponent revealed. It is who we have been hearing it was going to be. No surprise, LA Kings. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the fanfare of an outdoor game is always great. The first one was amazing. Everyone in the city was talking about it. So I, from that perspective, I think it's it's an awesome thing. And the fans down in Colorado Springs will get a chance to go nearby this time. And having this kind of the the, the backdrop of, of Pikes Peak there will be nice. Yeah. That makes for some neat viewing. What will not make for some neat viewing is an outdoor game, which is sludgy as hell, against the yeah. LA Kings, who are sludgy as hell. Exact exact <laughs> same thing as the, the Red Wings one there. Go for the uh, the old-timers game instead. It'll be way more interesting than the uh, <laughs> than the real game. Uh, I mean, it, it really will be, though. If, if you were a fan of the Avs back in the day, 
you have potentially Rob Blake with the Kings and Adam Deadmarsh. I don't know if Deadmarsh will actually be able to play, but the Abs have some some storied players that are connected to the Kings. Gretzky always says every time he does it that it's going to be his last one, and then he keeps coming back. So <laughs> that would be super awesome if they got Gretzky to come. But yeah, I I think it's way more interesting to see all the old guys come back and look at your old heroes than the actual game against two junk teams. Of course, we're talking about Wayne Gretzky, not interim Oilers GM Keith Gretzky. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think it would be fun if they they kind of focused, you know, focused a little bit on that 2001 um, postseason series they had uh, with the Kings, which was a, a very entertaining series, and uh, that, that was one that, of course, where, where Peter Forsberg lost his spleen after Game Seven. I hope he finds um, it. <laughs> I don't think they know where it is anymore. Um, Same place his ankles at. <laughs> yeah, that was you know that was funky. I, I I was at that game and we went over to the the chop house afterwards, and then the, all the abs were there, and an ambulance showed up, and everyone was whispering that that Forsberg got in the ambulance and went away, and you know that that was very scary as a fan. Hey, let's go get steak. And, uh, you know, I don't feel so good. I think I feel 911 bad, actually. Feel a little. <laughs> I feel a little like death, so. You know, I think my spleen's acting up. How can you tell your spleen's acting up? I don't know, and I don't ever want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as we all know, Forsberg was was fine after that and came back and had a long and full career free of injury. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Never hurt again. Mm. Definitely didn't miss the next season. No. <laughs> Just one of many incredible players that the NHL has been deprived of full careers from. So anyway, I'm pretty much out of stuff to talk about. How about you? One guys? more thing I wanted to talk about with the Eagles is Tyson Jost um, has been down there. Yeah, we for... mentioned. I, I guess we mentioned his goal, and I, that checked a box in my head, and I forgot to ask more <laughs> about it. So let's let's do it. Yeah, he's you know he's been down there centering the the top line with AJ Greer and, and Martin Kaut, and then last game they they switched Kaut. Um down to a different line with Dominic Toninato of all people and put Michael Jolie on that line. Um, but you know, he is learning some things. I have seen a little bit of improvement. He's finally getting comfortable. It looks like he's probably going to get sort of acclimated to the AHL just in time to not play there anymore, which is nice. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I really think he could do with a, another week or two. Um, you know, I think if he, he sort of stayed down there until mid-February, he'd be able to do a lot more for him, but I'm sure the Avs have other plans. But, you know, he's able to play a little penalty kill down there. Um, you know, takes take some sort of um, bigger responsibility-type roles. Um, you know, I, I hope that gets his confidence back or, you know, whatever he needs to do down there. 
you know, yeah. he's been playing as a center, but sort of the, you know, AJ Greer has been a lot of uh, the, the F3 down there. So I, you know, I don't know how that's going to work I, out if, if he's able to be a center in the NHL after doing I, it for six. Games I just don't NHL. see <laughs> how, like I said, when he got sent down, I don't see how this helps him at all. Yeah, I mean, other than the time on ice and in different roles, it's um, not solving any of the problems he has in the NHL. Though. Like he's. I was gonna say you're welcome he, to expand on that. <laughs> he, I mean, you can play in the AHL all you want. He doesn't suddenly become stronger. Yeah, he, and he's still you know. turning the puck over a lot, and you know he's still not very fast, and has people steal the the puck from behind him and stuff. Right, like, that. like so it's like. But I, I don't, you know, it's like I don't think that's the kind of thing you would think that he could fix down there. I, I don't think so either. But <laughs> I don't. Why did we send him down there then? Like, and if it was to send him down there to keep him down there, maybe. But for the six-game plan that they supposedly said, it's I don't think it's doing anyone any favors. Joe's getting more minutes isn't doing him any good to for an NHL conversion there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the plan is like they, you know, they still see that donut on the fourth line, and they're hoping someone fills it in. But, um, you know, I, I'm w- without a lot of support. Like, you know, I, I think Nieto does actually a fairly good job of of covering a little F three um, on the fourth line. Maybe that works out a little bit better. I don't know, um, but. You know, I, I I think you're right. I, I I don't know what they're expecting to see when he gets back. <clears throat> it, it's not going to be a big change. Well, it's not like he was really fixing those things in the <clears throat> NHL either. So he sure that's, wasn't. That's true. It they've kind of put themselves in a tough spot, like they seem to do in all cases this year. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If we can just wait, we can make this so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a really bad idea. Then I can make it worse. Yeah. So, I got a few bad ideas, but that'll we'll save those for a different day. Save those for the probably save those for the next show. Um, Burgundy Radio is going to take the the bye week as well. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about how exactly our schedule is going to work and uh, just kind of then stepped all over that and made new decisions when, when we actually talked about it as like not spitballing on the air. So we will be off next week. Um, we will return. Um, that is next week that we're off, right? Or is that the week? Following? Fuck, give me a calendar. <laughs> I don't have a calendar. <laughs> I need the Avs calendar. That will help me here. Okay. I know that Vancouver is on the second. Right. So we will have a show next week. It will. Okay. Because that's because that's a, a week from today. Today is Saturday. So on right. February second, Colorado are back at home against the Vancouver Canucks. That's an eight o'clock Mountain game because it is on Hockey Night in Canada. Um. It's also an altitude two, the Ocho, so we get to, you know, go ahead and have that nice standard definition experience before we remember what HD hockey looks like. Um, we'll return that week just to kind of talk a little bit about that game, but also to give a nice uh, 
sort of trade deadline, like kind of have a look at what sort of targets might be out there and who the Avalanche maybe could or should be interested in. We talk about some rumors that might be floating around. Um, we'll be off the following week because I will be not around. And then we'll be back in on uh, on the 16th to kind of finish out the season with uh, well, the 16th is a Saturday, but on the week the weekend of the 16th just to kind of finish off the season strong like the Avalanche do. So as you're looking for a place for Tyson Jost to return to the roster, that might be a good place for it. Actually, now that I'm looking at this schedule, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I was looking at it. the the Blues game on the 15th or yeah, 16th, whatever six, that is. 16th. Yeah, because Colorado's play February. They have a couple of home games at the beginning of February. Then they play three on the road, one at home, one on the road. But then they've got yeah. uh, the three-game homestand there, so that may be a nice opportunity. Yeah, and if you look at the consecutive shutouts. <laughs> if you look at the Eagles schedule, it 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 rolls right with that being like the perfect time to bring Joe's back, but okay. they won't. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see what they do, but yeah, we'll we'll have a. We'll have more of a non-hockey-related and more business-related show next week. It's my least favorite part of the NHL, so we don't spend a whole lot of time on it, but we do definitely want to take the time when it's time to. And then, uh, in the past, we've done kind of some live hangouts in on Discord during things like the trade deadline. I think I'd like to try to do that again this year, but that's the first time I've said that to any of these people, so that's just uh, an idea. I was going to be in the hangout regardless of whether we're doing a show or not. So So we can probably make something happen for y'all. I just have to make sure I'm like, I'm missing a lot of work this month. So I got to see if I even can. Um, But then we will, uh, we will see you guys next week. We will not see you the following week. And then we'll have a seven game show um, coming out on the, the morning of the 18th. So that'll be fun. Booyah. Abs are either all the way in the playoffs or all the way out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So everyone enjoy your August and January this week. Um, hopefully you've got some other things that you're interested in other than hockey. Maybe, maybe you live with some people that you haven't talked to in a while. Um, <laughs> Cause it's going to be crazy. As we look at the schedule, I mean, it's, how many games are there in February here? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 in 27 days. Or in 14 games in 26 days, so that's a lot. March is pretty much every other day except for a three-day break in the middle. So it's a sprint to the finish, y'all. So we will see you all next week for the uh, Let's Preview the Trade Deadline show. And... As always, the trade deadline will probably be nothing, but we're going to talk about it anyway, just just in case. Central's up 6-1. Two goals from Miko. Hell yeah. What a team. What a player. No goals for Carnival David? I don't know. I just saw a tweet. <laughs> I'm going to assume no goals for Carnival David because I do fucking sucks. Keep your head up, get to the dirty areas, and we will see you all next week. I know, but when you win six games out of 23 and you're still in the playoffs, then, I mean, what's it going to take? Six games out of 53? Maybe. Don't tempt him. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs>
Anaheim yeah, has I the mean, same break. Okay, all these teams have the same break Colorado do. I thought maybe some some of them might have had the bye week first. Kind of some teams did, but 